Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Happy New Year. It's still the new year, right? Like we're week one. How's your resolution going? Everybody laughed in first service too. What is up with that? Like it's only seven days. You know, uh, statistically, like if you look around, somewhere around 23% of the people have cashed out, dipped out, otherwise forgot about it by this point at the end of week one. Somewhere around 36%. I would be in that group, by the way. I just don't do it because I don't need to be another percentage of 23. But uh, 36% of people will make it through January. Now, here's where it begins to to get a little bit more eye-opening. Somewhere around 9%, 9 out of 100, are going to make it through the year with that resolution they began at the new year. 9%. And I think that just, why why do we share that? Why do we laugh about New Year's resolutions? Well, I think it begins to reveal a little bit of something to us. It begins to reveal that it can be hard to make change. That it can be hard to hold ourselves accountable in the day-to-day rhythms of life and in the mission, the desires we have set out for ourselves. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes focus to make those changes to stay on track, and so that's one reason that as a church, we are very intentional to begin the new year uh, spending a couple weeks looking at our mission statement as a local body of believers. Uh, mission statements are, are really everywhere. They're all around us. Uh, there are a, every organization has one. They operate by uh, a guiding principle or a philosophy, and, and the mission statement is just a concise way of explaining the reason for an organization's existence. Uh, it's, it's a focus. It's a keep on track mechanism. I want to see if you recognize a couple uh, of mission statements here today. The, the first one is, is super easy. This first one, do t- you tell me where you think it comes from? We save people money so they can live better. Where's it come from? You can, hey, thank you, Walmart. You can now easily go put $100 into three grocery bags. I'm just saying, I hope they're committed to their mission. I'm just saying, <laughs> especially if you buy a dozen eggs or two. Here's another one, to organize the world's information and make it accessible and useful. Anybody? That is from Google. That is from Google. All right, here's another one, to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. Red Cross, right on. All right, last one should be a slam dunk transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. Yes. Woo, that is us. Within our three campuses, that's our mission statement. Transformed by God to bring hope to others 
through Christ. We, we believe this concise yet powerful statement gives light and guidance to our purpose as a church and, yes, as individual believers. So this teaching series that we're in called Mission in Action is not just to make sure you can pass the pop quiz next week, hint, hint, study, uh, but it's so that we understand it more deeply. It's so that we can see ourselves within it and find excitement in its possibilities and to engage that mission in our lives and in the communities, the places we live, work, and yes, we worship. So with that, I want to say again, Happy New Year. Thank you for being here, and I welcome you back to our teaching series, Mission in Action. Uh, last week, if you were here, you were able to listen online, Pastor Terry kicked off our series and the new year looking at this idea of transformation. The first word, the first idea within our mission statement, and, and quite simply, uh, we believe that, that God is in the business of changing us, transforming us, growing us in his likeness and faithfulness. To him, now, transformation in God's kingdom, it's a work of his grace and his mercy that he brings about uh, when we live in surrender to him, following his voice and his leading in our hearts obediently. And you, we, we believe that you really can't and you really won't bring hope to others until we are surrendered to being transformed by God ourselves. So today... As we continue in our series, uh, we want to understand and, yes, affirm that God is central to our mission. Now, you think, that ought to go without saying, but it is there for a reason. Transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. You see, everything we do as believers should center on Him. Everything we do as a church should center on Him. Because if we're honest, nothing can be accomplished apart from him nor will there ever be anything more important than God our father after all this is his church we are his people and he requires he commands our exclusive allegiance to him so as you would be here this morning and think about what motivates you why you do what you do, what guides your decisions every day. You know, what would be your mission statement? What's in that for you? What's in that? Is God in the center of that? Is God in the center of your mission statement, of your life, of why you do what you do, you make the decisions you make? Is God at the center? of your life. If we genuinely desire to, to live in relationship with him, to be a passionate follower of Jesus, the answer must be yes. The answer must be yes. I invite you this morning to turn to our teaching text in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, we're going to begin in chapter 20, and the text will be on the screen as well. Exodus Chapter 20, this for some of you may be a very familiar passage as this is uh, beginning the unpacking of the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words uh, given by the Lord himself. So Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You are to have no other gods before me. Verse 4 says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to worship them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations, a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Exodus chapter 20. Uh, To be honest with you this morning, when I began this study, I jumped in at that teaching text uh, earlier in the week. And to be honest, I recognized in myself when I jumped into the scriptures right there that I recognized something within myself that wanted to push back or wanted to ask a question, almost like one of those, yeah, but you ever do that reading the scriptures? You know, when you, when you read Jesus' words and he says something radical like, love your enemies, or he says something like, turn the other cheek, there's something inside of us that goes, but, you, but Lord, you don't know what they did. Like it's that kind of a thing. You see, when we sense those things as we're studying the scriptures, we need to be aware when that happens. We need to pay attention to what our heart's doing in light of the truth of God's word. You see, as we're we're studying and we need to pay attention to those things because God might be revealing something about ourselves that we didn't know or maybe we've been ignoring. And so... When I came and when we come to Exodus 20, and maybe, I got a feeling I'm not alone in this, but when we come to Exodus 20 and we hear some, God declare, I am the Lord your God and you're to have no other gods before me, what in us asks that yeah but question? What is that in our experience today as believers? Now, I've kept no secret that I in general just don't like rules. So I I always struggle with that, but I don't think that's what this was for me. I think it's something a little more broad, and I think you might uh, go along with me when we unpack this a little bit. You see, I, I think we might wrestle with this exclusive claim because we live in a world that expects to have choice and to be in control for everything. Let's unpack that a little bit. You been through a drive through lately? You know, Wendy's, McDonald's, something like that. Well, if you pull up to Wendy's, you're going to see something like this. Wendy's, on average, will have somewhere between 50 and 60 items on their menu at any given time. Now, this will range from triple cheeseburgers to baked potatoes and chili to salads and and frosties. Like It's a wide range of things. And then you finally get to their soda machines that require an MIT declaration or or, or a certificate of graduation to understand to just get a ginger ale. Like, choice is everywhere. And don't forget, what size do you want any of this? Small, medium, or large? King size, right? You see, we are in control in our everyday lives of what we receive. And what we want. If you go to the grocery store. The average grocery store has somewhere around 40,000 items to choose from. Half of which are in this aisle, I think. (laughs) Right? Parents, this is the aisle you do not go down when your kids are with you at the grocery store. Right? Because it's so many choices. And you could unpack this on and on because everything in our world that we engage comes with a choice. It's the air we breathe, and perhaps I think more than that, it's the comfort and the control that we expect to engage everything with. And so when we come to God's word and we hear God's exclusive claim that he is to be the one and only, it is cutting across the grain of our self-based preference and our addiction to control. 
So if you're here today and something about that, you, you sense a, yeah, but I want you to pause for just a minute with me. Pause. Pay attention to that. As we go through the scriptures, God may be revealing something in your heart, something in your life that is interfering with your relationship with him. Because uh, at its core, this commandment is relational. It's given within covenant. And more than just being relational, it's life-giving to those who will embrace it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the quickening of our hearts by your spirit when, when we sense something wanting to push back or to question something we read in Scripture, oh God, your Scripture's not in question. And so today we desire to sit humbly before you, to allow you to search our hearts, oh God. Show us if we have begun to wonder, if we have begun to bring other things into our relationship with you. God, we want to pursue you. You are God alone, worthy of our worship. So, Lord, we invite you to come and we humble ourselves before your word. Search us, God. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, as, as we would seek to understand the nature of this exclusive commandment, the first commandment, and really the Ten Commandments together, uh, we must really look at the context at which they're given. Uh, earlier in the book of Exodus, uh, God's children are in slavery in Egypt. They're essentially Pharaoh's workforce. And God hears their cry for deliverance, and through his mighty power, he delivers his people from the mightiest nation on the earth at this time. And we know some of these stories that God parts the Red Sea, allowing them to pass through to safety. He provides for their essential needs in the desert, uh, meeting everything that they need to survive. And so God has taken this enslaved people, and he's made them free. You might say that God has transformed them in this story of the Exodus. As we come to chapter 19, uh, God is inviting his people into covenant relationship. Now, we unpacked this in depth in our Wanderer series uh, just this past year. But in brief, covenant is not contract. You see, we operate on contract most of the time. If you do this, I will do that. That's contract, you see. There's terms for breaking a contract, but that's not covenant, you see. Covenant uh, is, is a relational agreement. It's a merger of, of two parties or two people to fulfill what otherwise could not be accomplished. It's the giving of oneself to the other. You see, that's covenant. That's what God is inviting his people to. So the response that we see in chapter 19 and 20 is an invitation to covenant. And this newly transformed people, they have a choice. They have a choice that they can either enter into this exclusive covenant with God or they can go on living their own way. They can return to the life of slavery if they want to. Friends, can I just say that that's much the same choice we face today? Now, we're a part of the new covenant because of Christ, yes. But covenant is still exclusive. It's still God and God alone. And so we have a choice that we can enter this covenant relationship with him uh, because of Christ and through faith in him. We can enter that relationship or we can reject him. 
We can live our own way following our own desires. And friends, the authors of Scripture have called that the way of death. So we face that choice. We have that choice today in 2023 to enter into covenant exclusive relationships. So is God at the center of your life? Is he the one and only of your life? Friends, as a church, he's at the very heart of our mission and he always will be. But is that true of your life today? You see, the people of God in the Exodus narrative, uh, they did respond. In chapter 19, you, I encourage you to go back and read that this week. They respond. They would fulfill. They wanted to enter into this relationship with the Lord. And so the commands we find in chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, are the covenant terms, if you will, the relationship rules of how we're to live in response of this relationship with Jesus, with the Lord. And so God begins here uh, by establishing his exclusive role and covenant, and that's where we begin at verse 1. It says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And so we see here the Lord is speaking directly to his people. He's saying that in covenant relationship with him, he is the only one that they are to give themselves to. He is to be the center focus of all of their worship, and there is to be no other. And that's why this, you begin to see this is a relational commandment. Because God didn't just give this to anyone. No, it was to those who had said yes to following him, to being in relationship with him. He says, okay, I'm the one and only. I am the Lord, your God. And, and in this, God is prohibiting idolatry. He's prohibiting the worship of anything besides himself. And so if we're in a relationship with God, we cannot be worshiping or giving ourselves to other because that's not covenant. Covenant is exclusive. And as you would follow the story of the children of Israel from this point forward, you're going to see that, man, that there was times when they did trust God, when they followed him completely. But you're also going to see times when they traded in covenant for their own way. When they would fail and they would worship other gods. And, and perhaps no more clearly than in Exodus 30, just a couple pages away in the story. You see, Moses is up on Mount Sinai uh, speaking to God and receiving the covenant. And the people are, are down at the base with Aaron, uh, in, who's left in charge. And, and it's been about 40 days and they haven't seen Moses. And they think, well, God's abandoned us. And so they build this golden calf and bow down and worship it in less than 40 you see, they traded faith in their covenant God for something that they could see, something they could touch. They traded it for the comfort of something they could worship their way. And you could follow that story on out through the story of the children of Israel. They would struggle with worshiping pagan gods, Baal and Asherah, and, and, and all those other things. They were continually trading covenant for comfort of idolatry, for the appeal, the allure of being able to do it their way instead of God's way. And friends, can, can I just say that we still struggle with this today? 2023, we still struggle with this. 
Now, can I just say that we're not going to call it Baal. We're not going to call it Asherah, but that doesn't mean we're not subject to worshiping other gods in our lives. You see, an idol, a false god, can be anything that we would prioritize over our exclusive relationship and devotion to him. Anything that interferes. You know, there are times when, when we will decide to explicitly follow other gods. You see, that was my story, and I'm not going to unpack the whole thing here, but when I sat down with Pastor Jim Harrison at the Traditions restaurant, probably eating chicken, uh, I looked at him, and I was running away from the Lord, and I looked at him, and as serious as I could be, I said, I don't need this Jesus stuff, because if I can just have a house, uh, a boat, don't forget that, um, a good job, and a wife, I'm happy. That's all I need. You see, I was bowing down to what the society says, the American dream. I thought that was the source. That was idol worship. I wouldn't have called it that. But you see, I was looking to those things rather than God, explicitly. Now, now, people might choose, outright choose other religions for various reasons, but I think most oftentimes when, when we fall into that trap, when we are explicitly choosing our way over what we know God has called us to do, we worship ourselves, our rights, our rights to ourselves. So there's explicit idolatry. But I think, you know, what is more of a danger for us as Jesus followers today, those trying to pursue is a more subtle encroachment. A more subtle encroachment where it becomes a Jesus and type relationship. Where we bring other things in. Now, we're not, we would never say that we're not going to worship God, that he's not the one and only, but our lives might show a different set of priorities. And so when we come to texts like this, we, we have to ask the hard questions. Like, what might be interfering? What might I be worshiping? And some of this stuff gets close, okay? And so I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, let's, let's ask this together before a holy God who says, I am the one and only. Are you ready? What about these? Now, I'm someone that's got one, two, and a third in my backpack, okay? So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying let's put ourselves under God's word and see what it says about this. I was listening to a podcast this week, and it said something that Apple conducted a survey, and this was two years ago, so I'm sure it's out of date. Uh, but they said that about the average uh, iPhone user, average, unlocked their phone 150 times a day. Now, my first reaction was like, yeah, right, that ain't me. No, it is. Anybody else get their weekly screen report from their iPhone that says how much you were using your phone that week? Mine was up this week. And it's not because this is a, a, a shiny device with bells and whistles. No, it's, it's because we use that to engage a world where we can receive feedback like likes on our post or shares to our Insta. We can be lured into desiring and worshiping the life that other people have that they've curated to post on this platform. This is the portal at which we can worship at those things. Our, our own importance through emails and texts and all those things. 
Have you questioned your relationship with your devices lately and how you're engaging them? I'm telling you, this gets close. You ever paid attention to how we engage with something as simple as sports? Hey, I like to watch hockey. I like to watch football. But do you pay attention to how much we give ourselves to those things? Now, whether that's clearing of the schedule and making sure nobody bothers me while the game's on the television, or, or whether that's how much we're giving ourselves to make sure our kids get to every tournament. You see, when we hear that our relationship with God is to be exclusive, we have to ask those questions. We have to. What about control? You know who you are. Got to have the remote. Got to be in control of the radio. Hey, I'm, I'm there. But what about that? Like, where is that in our life? You see, we, we desire control. We want to be able to control our destiny. We think we feel this need to control tomorrow, so we manipulate circumstances. We won't take risk for the kingdom of God because it's outside of our control. And so we'll spend our lives enslaved to things that are killing us because we won't let go of control. It's an idol. It's killing us. I mean, in this list... This list could go on for hours of, of, of money, of success, of education, of relationship. It could go on, and it's into this space that God says, I am the Lord your God. I have no other gods before me. And it cuts across the grain of our experience. And, you know, I, I think the challenge for us in this conversation, for me in this conversation, is that so many of the false gods start out as good things. Blessings, even. But you see, the problem comes when we begin to focus on them, when we begin to prioritize them, when we give them more priority than our relationship and devotion to God. It sneaks up on us, subtly. And it gets into a space that God has declared, have nothing before me. Nothing. And so when we choose those things, when our allegiance bleeds over into other places, they start to shape our lives instead of God. That's what he's prohibiting. That's it. They become an idol to us. They become a hindrance and our relationship with him. Oh, as, the, as the band begins to make their way forward. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that one of the functions of a mission statement uh, is, is to hold us accountable, to cause us to ask the hard questions. Because look, we, we life's busy, right? Our world is, is always feeding us the next thing, the next thing. And this really came to light for me just last week. Um, uh, Monday, we, we were off, and it's the new year, and we're cleaning out the Christmas tree, right? I'm sure we weren't alone. Well, it was up on the second story of our house, and for me, the quickest way to get it down was just to hurl it over the balcony. So that's what I did. We drug it out the door with all its dry needles and poof, over the balcony. And I'm, I'm contemplating this because I turn around, and there's the steps. We just brought it up with the joy of Christmas in front of us. I'm just thinking, man, that's fast. And then I, I understand that Walmart's got Valentine's Day stuff out. It's, what? 
Now, don't forget, guys, but hey, like, there's this reality where our world is constantly feeding us the next thing. Don't stay in focus. Don't sit in reflection. Go to the next thing. Go to the next thing. And there's this reality that we don't ever take time to stop. To be present, to allow uh, hard questions to search us. And that's why I believe it's so important to take time looking at something like a mission statement. Because it makes us ask hard questions of ourselves together, yes, as the church, but yes, as individual followers of Jesus. Hard questions like, are you serious about your relationship with God? Is He really the center of your life? Or are you a heart divided? Before a God who says, I am to be the one and only. Hard questions. You see, we can't experience transformation apart from Him. We can do some self-help remodels and kind of get okay, but transformation only happens in His presence, in obedience to Him. Transformation only comes from Him. And we're not going to engage our world with the hope of Jesus without Him as the source of it in our lives. Friends, God is God alone. And there can be no other. And He requires that to be a reality in your life in covenant with Him. Is God at the center of your life today? I'm inviting every person to respond today. Uh, Would you just, would you mind standing if you're able? I'm asking every person to respond in a simple prayer. Now, this is the way I articulated it to pray, not just to give words, but to give thought and intentionality. To this idea that God, I will not worship anything, anyone else but you. Remove any false gods from my life. Because you alone are worthy of my worship. Can that be your prayer today? Will you humble yourself and just let him show you if something's worked its way in? To a relationship that's made to be exclusive. Made to be the priority and the focus of our lives. God, I will not worship anything but you. Remove any false gods from my life. For you alone are worthy. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.